people, their needs and people and situations, you put them first. And taking the Lord and for granted and becoming self-centered and caught up in, 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 a, in a life that's not pleasing to God. And so Joel starts to warn God's people here of a coming judgment. If you don't change, if you don't repent, if you don't turn from your ways, judgment is coming to you. And there's a picture of locusts that he starts to speak that's coming in to devour everything. And he talks in there, he says how, how they come in as green in front of them and there's just desolation behind them. Picture of an army that would come and would take them out. And so he says this in Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. So, we, so you must understand that in those days they never had WhatsApp. They never had Facebook. They never had Instagram. They never had DSTV. And so the way that they used to communicate is they used to blow the trumpet. So if it's war, how would you tell people, hey, dudes, there's, there's trouble coming. There was a certain blast on the trumpet that would get everybody's attention, and they would get themselves ready for war. Anything that they wanted to communicate, that's how they did it. And so we need to understand that God's Word is trying to get our attention. So here's a question. What is it going to take for God to get our attention? You know, it took trouble in my life. That I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen to all the messages of how much God loves me. And how much He cared. And how much He wanted to lead me. And how much He wanted to be part of my life. I never listened to any of those messages. And one day I landed up at the bottom of the bottom. And guess what? When you're at the bottom, you don't have to go. You can't go anywhere. You're at the bottom. That's not God's best for you, by the way. God's best is that we listen to him when he talks and we respond. You don't have to go to the bottom. And so what happens is here. And so Paul is talking, and, and, and just to bring that story into, um, into kind of context, Paul is talking about tongues. And, um, and he says, if you continue communicating tongues, no one can understand. And he's talking about an unclear message. That's why when we preach, we preach an understanding so that you can hear. But tongues is, is, is there. It's a tool that God's given us for prayer, that God's given us to prophesy and to, to, to communicate in different ways. Why? Just to show that he's God. So I must tell you about this, this clear sign. So two years ago when we landed in Cape Town, one day, all of a sudden, sirens go off. And it sounded like when you have movies of the First World War and Second World War, those sirens sounded just like that. Woo! whatever. And I'm thinking, I ran outside the house. This is genuine. I ran outside the house. I'm trying to see, is there some sort of rockets coming or whatever? And then the voice came beaming over. This is only a test. Do not, <laughs> what? Do not respond or I don't know, whatever it was. But I tell you what, for a moment, my heart, just that sound and the sound that they used in movies connected in my brain and said, yes, trouble. But I didn't know where to run to because I've got to see you. Otherwise, I've got to run uphill. And so what happens in 1 Corinthians 14, 7, listen to what he says over here in the relation to of, of sound. He says, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is distinction in the note? Can you imagine our worship tonight if every instrument played its own sound, own chord, own Rhythm, own, everything. Do you think we would have created 
the atmosphere that was created tonight. No. It's because of everything in harmony that we, there's, there's, a, there's a sound that comes out. And so it says, after, if the trumpet does not sound a clear sound, who will get ready for the battle? So here we see the trumpet is used for the call, and we're going back into Joel again. And so the question is, what is it going to take for God to get our attention? What kind of trumpet, what kind of sound, what kind of thing has to happen to you and I to be able to do it? There was a call tonight, and the call was, come, come. Don't, don't, don't look from the outside. Don't harden your heart. Don't stay where you are. Come. You see, there's a challenge. I'm going to go, if you can imagine, there is a cotton, a line of cotton over here. And our life. So if this side is godliness and this side is ungodliness. If you wanted to walk with your life as close to the cotton as possible, will you notice that you've stepped over the line? Is that a goat? <laughs> you see, when you're living your life over here, you're so far away from ungodliness that you know where you are. But when you and I are playing over here where the line is, and you can be on this side and then this foot can be on the other side. I'm not moving. I'm just playing on both sides. My Christian life was like that. In the beginning, I was playing on, when I wanted to please my friends. Then I was on that side living and doing the things that they did. And then when I was amongst the Christian guys, then I was on this side. Do you know that I was the most unhappiest person at that part of my life? Because I'm not satisfying heaven, and I'm not, and well, hell's frustrated with me as well. But it's still happy because it had me stepping over this side every now and then. So we need to understand that when God calls us, he calls us away from this thing. So Joel spe God speaks to Joel over here. And going down to verse 12, he says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with, your, with how? With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. He's talking to a nation that has been playing in enemy territory. And he says, come back to me and turn to me with all your heart, not some of your heart. You will notice how God, when he speaks, he wants everything. The song that came, thank you, Juliet. I want all of you. I want all of you. Not some of you. We're all quiet tonight. I know you're still trying to get your breath back from praise and worship. It's okay. So something, so remember we spoke about something has to die in us. I'm telling you, the only clause that the enemy has in us is our flesh. He will use our flesh to draw us back over the side of the line. And that's why we have to cause that to die. Something has to die in me. So we go down to verse 13 now in Joel chapter 2. And he says this, surrender your heart and not your garments. So remember in the Old Testament when they were, they were, they were unhappy or something or something tragic, happened, they would tear their garments. And God's saying, I don't want to see your garments still. I want your heart. I don't want this outward thing. I want the inside. I want everything. He says, surrender your hearts, not your garments. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and, great, uh, um, slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. What does it say? He relents. What does that mean? He doesn't want to. He relents from doing harm. 
And who knows if he will turn and uh, will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who ministered to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them space, say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach. That the nation should rule over them. Why should they among, among the? Uh, why should they say among the people, "Where is their God?" This is our inheritance. And so, what happens is God has put you and I here for such a time as this. Please say, "Amy." You're not here to take up space. You're here because you're in the army. You're here to stand. And to enforce the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus has won the battle. You and I are taking the territory. That's why he put you where you're at. That's why he put you amongst the people that he's put you. That's why you are the age that you are today. Because of that very thing. In Luke chapter 10 verse 2. Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus is saying that. The reason why I'm raising you up is because I want you to be a harvester in this time. I want you to reach out. And so let's have a look. After they've done the fast and they've sanctified and congregated everybody, results in Joel chapter 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards. When? after you've consecrated, after you've fasted, after you've sought the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. The old men shall dream dreams, and the young men shall see visions. Praise God, there's room for the old people. Okay, older people. Let me change that one. And also on my men's servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, we're going to start to see, and I believe it with all my heart, that we're going to start to see the real supernatural of God. Happening through ordinary people. If you will stick up your hand, I'm telling you, God's going to do something amazing through you. So I hope you long to see the move of God. In 2 Peter 3.12, why, why, why are we going to see this? In 2 Peter 3.12, it says, looking for and I am hastening the coming of the Lord God. In other words, we can quicken the coming of Jesus. Says he. We can hasten the coming of the Lord. You see, the reason is because in, in, in uh, God says also in Peter, it says it's not his desire that any should perish, but all to come to the salvation knowledge of his son. That's his desire. So in Joel 3, 14, it also says this, multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So there's multitudes. There's multitudes that are crying out for someone to change their life, but they just don't know who. They're seeking. They're going after every other God that's available. But only when you come to Jesus Christ do you know true freedom. Do you know true life? Do you have a real purpose for your life? 
So the reason why we are saved is not to coast around for the rest of our life, but to live our life so that others may see Christ. Listen to what Isaiah says. So we're talking about a fast. We're talking about the reason, how it pulls us into line. So listen, because, you know, we can always take something and we can just kind of apply it how we want to. And so he says here in Isaiah 58, 3, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? You see, there's a difference between works to be seen and the, and, 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 and the, and the change of a heart. I'm going to say it again. There's a difference between works so that I can be seen and a change of heart that now is a servant. Big difference. And so when we are doing works, we're going through the outward motion, but there's no heart behind it. And that's why God always goes after our heart, because if he can connect our heart to what he's doing, that's going to lead us. That's going to lead us. So it carries on. It says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. You fast, uh, your fast ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other um, with wicked fists. You do not fast as you do today and expect, sorry, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day of people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for laying in, in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what kind of fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Verse 6, is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? Listen to this now. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer you and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. When you and I do things correctly, when you and I do things with the right heart, I will tell you, Heaven comes. If we put our selfish reasons into what we're doing, it doesn't mean anything. So I have to become, if I've become stuck in my ways, and I'm, allow, I'm not allowing the Lord to work in me, have I, have I become, and I've, I, have I put myself in a place where I'm an old wineskin? You know the Bible speaks about that one. Jesus talks about an old wineskin. He says, you don't put new wine into an old wineskin. He says, because when it ferments, it'll stretch and it'll burst. He says, but you put new wine into new wineskins. Remember I told you right in the beginning, sometimes we polarize in one place and we don't keep moving. And that's the thing about God is that you can't stay in one place. He doesn't leave you there because he keeps moving and he keeps doing things. And so he keeps changing stuff. And you and I have to be that, that wineskin that will keep stretching as he can, and move with him. I don't, Moses said this, Lord, if you're not going with us, we don't, don't send us. God, I don't want to go where you're not going. I don't want to be there. I want to be where you send. Matthew 2, I mean, sorry, Mark 2.21. No, no one sews an old piece of shrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece will pull away from the old and tear and make it worse. No one puts... New wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskin. Wine the wine is spilt, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wine 
skins. And I'm going to tell you our attitude plays a big role in whether we become new wineskins or stay old wineskins. Our attitude. New wineskins stretch, change, adapt. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make roads in wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, God's going to say, I'm going to do things that are going to surprise you. Things that you thought could never, ever happen, I'm going to do that. I'm going to come through and do that. And that was, that was another word for somebody that you were coming. You got to that place of hopelessness. And I want to say to you today, please, listen to what God says. Don't leave the same tonight. Change and say, God, I'm trusting you again. I'm trusting you. So, what was that point? No? The big point, fasting pulls me back in line. So as we land tonight, what kind of fasts are there? So please listen to me. It does not matter what fast you go on. If your heart's not in it, it means nothing. Fasting is not a diet. Okay, I'm going to go without food for a while so I can just lose a little bit. No, then, then go on something else. Fasting, my heart is in it. And, I, and I've spoken, I've tried to give you a big picture of what I've seen in the Word from prayer and fasting is so that our heart can get connected to this thing. So that when we do this, whether we do it corporately or, with, excuse me, or you do it on your own, that you'll see God do something. Why? Because we're doing it with the right attitude. Everything I do, I do by faith. If, if, my faith is, if faith is not connected in it, it's worth nothing. Faith is the only thing that moves God. Before I even talk about fasting, please, I'm asking you that if you are going to fast, for whatever reason, when we do corporately or whether you do it on your own, if you have a medical condition, please be wise. Talk to your doctor first. Okay? Number two, nobody forces you. We invite you. We are doing this. Will you come and join us? There is no prescriptive of you have to do anything. It's where is your faith level at? Where is your heart level at? And if you will jump in there, we are winners. Some, some people are going to be able to fast seven days. Hallelujah. If you can only do one meal, hallelujah. Okay, that's how we see it. So don't. Don't let the enemy jump on you now and think, oh, well, I can't do what they're doing, so it's not worth it. No, no, do what you can. Because once you've done the one, your faith level grows to do the next step, and we grow. My son, Joel, he never got up from crawling to running. He tried to walk and then fell, and he, he, it's a progression. Okay, so number one. There's what you call the normal fast, total abstinence from food. And your body's going to say, not in my life. <laughs> so in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during the, the, those days, and at the end of it he was hungry. I think I would have been too. And Jesus abstained from food but not from water. Your body cannot survive without water. Okay? So, be wise. 
If, if you feel God has told you you must do a 40-day fast without food and water, you have not heard God. I'll tell you now straight. And if you drop, no, let me not even make that statement. Let me just leave that one. Okay. So water is absolutely essential for your physical being. God made you that way. God will never, ever ask you to do something that will your physical body that he created can't do. Okay? Number two, the absolute fast. So you've got the normal fast. You've got the absolute fast. This is no water and no food. And there are three examples that I can find in the Bible. Paul on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. And all of a sudden, God knocks him off his donkey. You remember that story? Acts chapter 9. And he's blind. And he goes and they take him into Damascus. And it says this, for three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. Three days. If you go to Israel, um, Israel's mourning because of the unfaithfulness of Israel. And in Ezra 10.6, then Ezra withdrew from before the house, uh, the house of God and went to the room of Johanan, I think is how you say that, son of Elisheba. While he was there, he ate no food and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. And then we see the last one is in Esther. We read it last week, and we just again, where Esther's standing in for the nation of Israel, where Haman wants to, to take them out. And um, in Esther 4, verse 16, says, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susha, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights, and I and my um, uh, attendants will fast as you do. When, there is, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So we see there that the absolute fast is a three-day maximum, no water, no food. Okay, and I can't find that happening in Scripture any longer than that. Then there's a, what the third one, which is either the partial fast or the, what they call the Daniel fast. And the reason why it's Daniel is because Daniel did this in Daniel chapter 10. So Daniel was one of the, the Jewish boys that were caught by, I think it was Nebuchadnezzar. And, um, and so what happens is they, they were being recruited to serve in the king's courts, and they were being pampered with all the lack of food and all that kind of stuff. And Daniel feels, no, he's not going to do this. He's just going to go on a fast. He, he um, does not go for all the lack of food. And um, this is what he says in, in, in Daniel 10 verse 3. It says, I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lips. Uh, and, and so what happens is we see there that Daniel applies a restriction to his diet. All right, so that and, and and that's what we call abstinence. So the result was that Daniel gets revelation, and the favor of God's upon him, and eventually he rises up to be a very important person in the whole of um, Babylon. So those are the three kinds of fasts. We're going to put out more information just to help you with that closer to the time. But the re the results is oh, sorry. The question is, what determines how long we go and fast? It's your choice. There is no, you have to. Okay? You do it because this is what you are motivated to do. You need a breakthrough in your life. I want to encourage you. Start putting times aside where you fast. Now, fasting is not just eating. I mean, not just not eating. Fasting is taking that time that you fed your physical body 
and feed your spiritual man. Get into the word. Spend time in prayer. I want to encourage you very strongly. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking tongues. Just pray in the Spirit. Do that a lot. That is, that is a great tool that God has given you and I to do. Okay? So, um, if you haven't done fasting before, please, God's given us a mind. And He wants us to be clever. Don't go from zero to hero in one step. You will, you, will, you will become more despondent than you'll benefit anything. If you've never done it before, start with a meal. Start with two meals. Maybe, maybe, here's the thing. Maybe technology has got a hold of you. And you can't put that thing down. Then maybe what you should do is say, God, I'm going to fast this. And then you put it down for however long. You see, fasting, all, it, all fasting is, is taking the things of the world that have claw, got their claws on you and breaking them off. Getting, becoming, becoming free in God. And so, yes, there could be food. It could be technology. It, there could be certain things that, that, that you need breakthrough in. And so you choose something and say, that thing is hold a hold on me. I fast that thing. But then when you finish with your fast, there's no use going back into where you were. Otherwise, why have you fasted? So if technology has been something that you have not been able to put down, then you put restrictions. When you go back to that thing, you put restrictions. You hearing this? If you, if you are believing God for breakthrough because there's certain kind of things that, that, you, that seem to crawl back in again, let me give you an illustration. I, I'm not too sure if I've used this illustration since I've been here, but there was a guy that was struggling with pornography, and, and um, he, they prayed for him, prayed for him, and, and he just could never break the thing. And so one day, somebody sat down with him and said, okay, listen, when you go to work, how do you go? Where do you go? So say he, he worked in Cape Town. He says, okay, well, I, I go from here, and, and I go on the N1, and I go into Cape Town. He says, good. When you come home. How do you come home? Do you come home the same way? He said, no. Then I go, I'm going to go up to R27, and I go to um, uh, <coughs> Big Bay Mall, and then I come through, and I go, so he says, why do you do that? So, oh, because there's a movie house over there. So, oh, what are you going to do there? Oh, no, I'm going to see which movies are on. He says, John, what movies are you looking for? And that's where it was. You see, if you're going to want to believe God to become free, then you've got to change what you're doing. Don't go and play in devil territory and think that you can become free. It doesn't work. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. But you and I walk out that freedom by the disciplines that we put in our life. Is that okay? So whatever you believe in God for, make sure that when we when the fasting we put those things in place and then we keep them in place. So advice. If you get hungry, it's okay. You won't die. <laughs> Remember I told you that you can go a day without food and it's not a problem, but the day you say, I'm going to fast, it's, it's like amazing. You, you smell every bakery. Um, the, your neighbor all of a sudden bakes uh, or cooks a meal that the wind blowing in the wrong direction and it comes straight through all the doors in your house. It's like, ah, Here's the, here's the next thing. 
tea and coffee are not your friend. Okay? So if you've been drinking a lot of tea and a lot of coffee, if you fast, you're going to get a lot of headaches. So I would advise you that two, three days before you're going to start fasting, stop tea and coffee and start consuming a lot more water. Clean your system out, because if you don't, you're going to have headaches. They're going to be seriously not, not pleasant. Okay? I've been there. And... Um, and then you're going to find that, that afterwards tea and coffee doesn't taste that nice anymore. Just, that's how it is. But then you're going to acquire a taste for it because you're going to keep on having teas and coffees with people because that's where you meet, you see. So then, <laughs> sure. Okay, so tonight's been a lot of information. But just landing this thing and wanting it to be practical. So please put the 11th and the 12th of March into your diary, your memory, or wherever you want to put it. Um, and we're going to come together here as a congregation. We're going to put out things that oh, we're going to put as prayer things for the days on the Monday and the Tuesday. We're going to come here together, and we're going to, um, we're going to just have a good time. All right. Is that okay? Wonderful. I'm looking forward to that. My body's not. In fact, my body's already talking to my head and saying, I'm going to attack you. <laughs> but it's okay. We've been attacked before, and um, we won. So it's okay. I want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ?